0: Hallelujah. Well, Spirit of God, you may be seated. Spirit of God uh, just stirred up in me. Plant that seed, brother. We receive it. It's working. Glory to God. Now listen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on now, stir up this thing with me just a little bit. Spirit of God, yeah, let's just open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. You may be, those of you that were a part of the discipleship class, recognizing we just read this verse. Yes, well, the Spirit of God said to me there, just as clear as, uh, as unmistakable, he said, just like last week, you know how the Spirit of God just kind of took that and went through the morning. He is saying, I'm trying to help my people. I'm not through with this. It's working. I said it's working. Oh, glory to God, I said it's working. So we're going to pick this back up in 1 John 2, actually, where we were this morning. But more importantly, where we were when the Spirit of God said, navigating the voices of the end time. Amen. Amen. We're going to get clear about this, for it's the truth that will make us free. Now, I'm seeing him speak to this in every arena. And what I mean by that is, when you have ears to hear, you hear what the Holy Ghost is saying, it becomes clear and unmistakable, and you need to follow that. All right, let me read this. He says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, oh, glory be to God, <clears throat> These things have I written unto you concerning, concerning, meaning I'm writing this because of this, because there are voices out there attempting to seduce you. Come on now. So we, we often cherry pick verses and we teach good principles out of them but contextually is where they hold their greatest weight. Why is he teaching about the anointing that teaches you? Because there's obviously other teachings that are seducing you. And primarily seducing you away from the anointing. Now what is that Exactly. It's the mixture. There is a spiritual law that says a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Now, I'm going to share something with you um, that happened to me in Florida. Some years ago, a number of years ago now, because Dad Hagen was in the earth, and I was actually in Miami, Florida, uh, attending a meeting, their a Holy Ghost meeting, and the Lord woke me up one of those mornings, and when he woke me up, he said, "I want to talk to you about the road to the greatest miracles you 've ever seen." God. And he took me to Matthew th- Mark, excuse me Mark three on that principle: "A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. In fact, we should read that let 's just, uh, just go there. We can read that, and you'll understand what I'm saying if you put your eyes on the verses here. Mark chapter 3. And when he said that to me, I'd been pressing the envelope, going into the next phase, believing God where the anointing is concerned. And uh, we had seen many great miracles around the world, many, many, by that time, many great creative miracles. And so when he said to me, I'm going to talk to you about the road that's going to take you to the greatest miracles you've ever seen. We had already seen some phenomenally great miracles. It got my attention. Amen. And here's what he said to me. He took me to these verses. Mark chapter 3, verse 23. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? Now, I don't know about you, but there are some scriptures that because you cannot, because they're spiritually, they're, they're speaking from another world. Jesus said in John 3, he said, you don't understand what I'm talking about. It's what he said to the people listening because they kept questioning him. We don't understand. He's speaking strange things. So we didn't ever heard anything like this. Here was his statement. He said, it's because... I'm speaking from above. And you're speaking from the earth. So in other words, he's saying, I am speaking a language you haven't learned. Be like me preaching to, you know, I could probably, now understand, this is right now a dream that I hadn't even put my faith on. I'm not saying I shouldn't, I may, I don't know. My son John, he's starting to feel led to, do whatever app that is, you know, that does 10 minutes a day in Spanish and 10 minutes a day in French, and good for him. Uh, I, got another friend of, I got another friend of mine. I got another friend of mine in California that God's really pressing him about Mexico and his apostolic assignment there. And he says, I, you know, he speaks enough Spanish that he's easily communicative to people. But he said, I don't have the grammar. I don't have the rule. He said, God's taking me back to the total immersion of getting the language right, not just the Spanglish I have. <clears throat> Good for him. <laughs> we're going to have a school. A lot of people have had schools. I used to say good for them. Now we're going to have one. Some say good for him until the Lord tells me to go back to learn Spanish. But I'll obey him when he does. But <clears throat> please. No, really, really, really. I mean, I took one year of Spanish in high school. I know Como esta. I know things like enchilada, burrito. I can even say quesadilla. I don't even say get me a dang quesadilla. I even know that. And forgive me for those of you that think I just, oh, he used a slang word. No, I was quoting a movie line from Napoleon Dynamite. When I could have been learning Spanish, I was watching Napoleon Dynamite. all right um, I'm simply saying that Jesus said I'm speaking from another world so say for a few of you if I was fluent in Spanish and I did the entire message in Spanish except for maybe Miss Annette Brother Kevin would catch some you know he gets get sprinkled she'd get immersed he'd get sprinkled <laughs> In other words, she'd know what I was saying. But the rest of you would say, and she'd be, oh, she'd be dumping, oh, glory to God, glory to us, glory to us, running around, hallelujah, glory to God. And y'all be looking around like, what's she all excited about? I don't understand a word he's saying. (laughs) Because there was a communication, an edification, an impartation that was happening to her right in your midst, and you understood none of it. That's the way it was around Jesus all the time with people. Because he was speaking a heavenly language. And for those that had ears to hear, they heard him. And they got it. There Many others standing around didn't get it. It went right over the head. That happens all the time in the spirit realm. Things are moving, but I want you to understand that you need to be honest with yourself in reading certain scriptures when you read a scripture and you read it and you think, you know, you need to just, one day you just need to stop and say, you know, I, I've read that. I'm familiar with it. I've read it more than once. I don't understand what that means. Now, is there anybody in the room that's ever read a scripture of something Jesus said and it doesn't make any sense to you? It's because it's another language. It's from above. This was one of those that are hard for people to get. But he simply, now, I'm I'm going to simplify it a little bit, but I want to get to something with it, of course. Um, He said, if Satan, how can Satan cast out Satan? For a long time, I, I pondered and meditated and went, because it just, I understood the words, I understood the concept. But it didn't have the depth of the revelation of what he's communicating. And what he's really talking about as much as anything is recognizing the source of the voice you're functioning from. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's all about the mixture. See, being divided doesn't mean you don't believe. It means you have some faith and some other stuff. doesn't mean you don't believe at all. It means there's a mixture. Yes. So he says, oh, you have little faith. He's saying you're not full of faith, which means you have faith. But you got some other stuff in there. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Yes, now, the issue is, if you have ears to hear, Spirit of God's talking to us. Now, I really didn't connect the dots until... The anointing, by the way, wasn't the offering awesome? Now, what's God doing? It was from the Holy Ghost. I heard from God. I knew I heard from God. But look what the Holy Ghost said. I'm separating you from lack. Well, how's he going to do that? He used an Abraham-Lot example. So what was that? God told Abraham to go. He did not tell him to take Lot. He took Lot anyway. So now he's mixing his own ideas with the command of God. What you're really talking about is mixture. So until you get separated from the mixture, the veil remains. Does that make sense? Now, Satan, and I'll work my way back to Mark 3 here since we're at this point. Um, I've said it a number of ways by the direction of the Holy Spirit so that we can continually see it from different sides and get it. But how many of you at least heard or had privy to me talking about the Garden of Eden? And how that God created everything good and every tree was good and it was good for food. But God said of the knowledge of the tree of good and. What was he really keeping them from? He wasn't keeping the good from them. There wasn't one good thing he was keeping from them. He was keeping the evil from them. And notice he didn't say, notice he didn't say, you can eat of all the trees for it's all good for food. But don't you eat of that evil tree. It's all evil. It looks like... it. Now, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing now. What got Eve? What got her? Do we need to go over and read it? We might need to read it. She saw that the tree... Was good for food. So, what did she get deceived in? That the little bit of evil that's in the good, I'm going for the good part of this. The little bit of evil won't hurt me. She finally believed Satan's lie. Oh, God knows that the moment you eat of this, you'll be like God's knowing good and. She knew good. Hear me? There wasn't any more good for her to know. He was dangling it out there like there's more good for her to know. And it's worth the price to know it. No. All she got out of that bite was the evil. Because the mixture killed the good. Sure is quiet in here now. So from the beginning, Satan's temptation, he couldn't overpower her spiritually. He wasn't a stronger spirit. She had the glory covering her body, so he couldn't attack her body. He couldn't get to it. He couldn't make her move by brute force. So he had to convince her to change what she thought about what God said. And when he did, she moved of her own accord. And what caused her to move out of her position of victory. Mixture. Amen. I want to read a verse before we go to Mark chapter 3. And you'll understand it. As we go to Mark 3, I think our track into it is going to help us. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, 3. <clears throat> Notice what it says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Throw your both hands up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank the Holy Ghost for what he's doing. Now, notice what Paul says about the church. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds. In other words, he's not going to use anything different on you than he used on Eve. The way he got into the world is the way he's going to try to get into your world. Right? And he said, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. Do you see this? Now, Romans 16, verse 19 and 20, we know, uh, we've read it and we know, but let's read it again. But notice notice this, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. You see that? All right, let's read Romans 16, 19 and 20 again. And let's rehearse. Um, what this verse means. It says, Your obedience has come abroad to all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But I would have you wise concerning that which is good. Simple. Concerning evil. How come? Because the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, we're talking about navigating the voices of the end time, which in particular is the spirit of Antichrist, seducing spirits, voices that sound very much like God. Because they sound right, they seem to look right, but there's just something in there that's like fingernails on a chalkboard, you know, uh, 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 uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. That's not the spirit I know saying that. He's saying the scripture, but something's behind it. Now, you're really dealing with motive more than anything else. Because he's using it to manipulate. And, and by the way, most people don't know this, but witchcraft is primarily not demonic. Most people have no idea. According to Galatians 5, witchcraft. Well, let's look at that. Galatians chapter 5. And let's read verse 19. We'll read through 20, 21, so forth. He said, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Works of the what? The flesh. Say the flesh. the flesh. Say that three times. There the manifest these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. What's the next word? Witchcraft, Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. It's very important to understand all of Satan's seduction is to get you to follow your flesh. So what happens, what happens when you follow a seducing spirit and start following the leading of your flesh and you get off a little bit, but you think you're okay? Witchcraft happens. You get beguiled, deceived. It's like a, you talk to somebody that's, that really believes what they're doing is right and it's a wrong spirit. It's hard to get through to them. It's like a shell because, why? Because they have, it's like they have a spell on them. You look in their eyes and you're trying to reason with them and you get frustrated and you're trying to talk it out. You can't counsel a demon out. Because no one will follow a devil that doesn't inside their own flesh decide to believe his lie. He can't overpower you and make you believe something. You've got to believe a lie to be deceived. And it starts in the flesh. We want it to happen, so we'll convince ourselves. Well, at least say in Galatians five, you know. <laughs> For those of you that didn't hear it, you know, I won't, I won't, I won't point you out. <laughs> you got to know you're loved in that, don't you? But you know, the thing is, is that we are masters at rationalizing an imagination of god giving us this and working a scripture around to make it fit what we want to turn out yes sir <laughs> and it comes from our soul and our soul is the carnal mind which is you know to be carnally minded which is to be fleshly minded is death so it takes you down that path of trying to work religious things around so it works out like we want it to be. And therefore, therefore, you begin in the Spirit, but you can't be made perfect by the flesh, according to Galatians 3. So here he says, who hath bewitched you? Well, let's just look at that. Look at Galatians 3. This will help you. Verse 1. I just want to connect some dots for you here for just a moment. <clears throat> Notice what it says in Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath, who hath what? Bewitched. Say bewitched. bewitched. Now that means cast an evil eye on you. They looked at you sideways, and you don't like the way they looked at you. What did I do wrong? And you start manipulating, changing, doing something different. All because of the pressure of somebody else's opinion. Are you hearing me? What is this? This is witchcraft. He says that you should not obey the truth. Whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. Next verse. This only what I learn of you received you the spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now made perfect by said the flesh. So he is saying witchcraft's a work of the flesh. A who means a person has had some influence on you to try to shape you to act in a way that will benefit them or make them more comfortable. Are you following me? So the definition of witchcraft is manipulation or intimidation for the purposes of domination. And you see it in demons all the time. When you're casting a devil out, the devil will get all loud and boisterous and act like he's big, and he'll start speaking through people. I'm not coming out. I've been here a long time. They belong to me. Arrah, 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 arrah. And then they'll act oh. all, and, and if they can't get you that way, if you just don't back down, and instead come out, no, you're coming out, then they go, oh, don't cast us out, don't cast us out, don't cast us out. They go, whoop, whoop, and it's the same demon. And it acts just like a little old kid driven by the flesh. They throw a tantrum, kick and scream and shout and by anger try to get their way. And then when you don't give in to them, they go sit in the corner and pout and all salt. Won't play. They either up here, trying to control by anger, manipulate you to give them their way, or they're down here, pouting and looking pitiful so you'll have sympathy on them. Witchcraft. I said witchcraft. Yes. Talking about the mixture now. Say the mixture. the mixture. All right. Now follow me to Matthew 16. Promise we're headed back through Mark 3 to a couple of things before I'm done today. But look at Matthew 16. <clears throat> i want to show you something. I'm going to say a couple of things to you. And uh, if you can't say amen, say oh me, or take a deep breath and say nothing. Just don't get mad at me. Because I'm not reading the book of First Tracy. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, And they said. Now, why did they have something to say? Because they had been listening to what men had been saying about him. He is polling his staff to see if they've been listening to the rumors. Excuse me, I'll say it over here. He's he's prodding to find out what's going to come out of them. And we're going to see it here in a minute. He goes on to say, and he said, but whom do you say that I am? Now he wants to see if what they've been listening to has affected how they see him. Amen. Now let's read on. And Jesus answered and said, after Simon Peter answered in verse sixteen, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus answered and said, "Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah." For whoa, 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 flesh, 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 say flesh, flesh and men. And blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say unto thee, Tower Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of the heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now let me just stop here because I don't have time to cover all this. But uh, you can read it in the Amplified. It will just help you. Because it actually brings the Greek out and the Amplified the way it's written. A lot of people think He's just given us carte blanche to bind and loose. He has not. He has only given us the authority to bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven. He has only given us the authority to loose on earth what has already been loosed in heaven. We don't run around binding and loosing and Him back it. So if He's already destroyed... If, he, if by his choice we were healed and if he's already destroyed sickness and disease in Satan and it's clear from his express will of God from the covenant that he has delegated his authority over sickness and that sickness doesn't come from God that he healed all that were oppressed to the devil. It comes from the devil and he's not the destroyer. So therefore we have the authority to bind the devil, bind sickness and bind the destroyer because we see it's already been bound in heaven. Does that make sense? We're like the moon. We're the lesser light that rules the night. He's the greater light that rules the day. The moon has no light of itself. It only reflects the light that hits it from the light realm. So over there in the kingdom of light, he's the sun. He has no need of help to shine. He shines from within himself. We, we've got to reflect the light. We don't have light of ourselves. We have to have the light hit us and reflect it into the dark. So we see what's been bound in heaven. We bind it. Whatever the, whatever's happening in the light realm, we do in this realm. Yes. Amen. Are you with me now? Yes. All right, now, as that goes down, notice what he says here. He says, Then charged he his disciples, they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things that the elders, chief priests, scribes, be killed, and raised again the third day. Now, look, look, look. Then Peter took him. Now, whoa, 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 he did what? That's physical. That's serious. Took him and did what? Begin to rebuke the Lord Jesus. Brother, can I use you as an example? The truth of what Jesus was speaking wasn't what Peter's flesh wanted to hear. And he had an immediate response. Lord! (laughs) I mean, he did it before he could catch himself. Because the anointing on Jesus flushed up something in him he didn't even know was there. No! That can't, that's not right! That can't happen! And he said this in the King James, be it far from you. Does anybody have a footnote in that word, be it far from you? Column reference. What does it say? Well, What does it say? Out loud. Pity yourself. Pity yourself. Anybody else got that in your Bible? Pity yourself. So it's not, oh no, this can't happen, be it far from you. It sounds like that Peter is all sincere about not wanting this to happen to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But what's going on in Peter is it flushed up in him. This self-preservation, fleshly, seducing voice. that sounds very much like the voice he just heard. He's in the same meeting. He's the one that just heard Dr. Christ the Son of the Living God. He heard from God purely. And minutes later in the same meeting he's hearing from a demon on the same level. All because his flesh isn't clear yet from the mixture. Are you hearing me? Get clear what's going on here. And so he says, and so Jesus said to him, I'm almost done with you, I promise. He just just don't want any wrinkles on his lapel. He got to wear this today. So he's got, now Jesus, you can see, I mean, he took him. That means physically here. Jesus had to turn away from him. I mean, break him off. One time said, Peter, you're standing right in my way. But it says he turned and said, I just want you to get this picture. Come here. I want to know how many people would stay in a church when a preacher said this to them. I want to know how many people could get corrected like this. And I say, he's hard. They're legalistic. I'm going to go down here where they pat on me. And help me have my witchcraft pity party. Because they don't, when I go in there, those people are nice. They don't flush all this up in me. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have enough power to blow their nose either. All right, so he's got him like this. Now, Jesus has to break from the hole. Just Now, now grab on me like you're, I want you to be Peter. <laughs> and he's saying, Lord, pity yourself. Right? And so you say that to me. It's like, have pity. Oh, look what you're going to have to go through. Oh, look what you're going to have to go Get through. thee behind me, Satan. You see what he, he literally turned, turned his back to him and said, turned his physical back to him. Get thee behind me. And then he said, then he, now notice he's talking to Satan. That action wasn't addressed to Peter. It was addressed to what was driving Peter. Now, after he had rebuked the devil, he turned around and addressed Peter. After he would spoken to the devil, get thee behind me, Satan, because he recognized it as a temptation. A spirit of seduction that was putting pressure on him not to do the will of God, not to go the way he knew he had to go. Are you with me? And he turned and he said, you're not thinking like God thinks, Peter. You're thinking like men think. Thank you, sir. Now, those two events, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You're thinking like men. Get thee behind me, Satan. Tells you that the flesh is what yields to it. The flesh is what does it. Witchcraft is a fleshly spirit, but it only operates as it gets a mixture. Huh? And you start listening to a demon or seducing spirit. So Peter had to get delivered from this, from this thing. Now, and later on he did. we're going to see that. later on he did. So this is my encouragement to you over the next few minutes. I'll, I'll be just a, a handful of minutes more. So stay with me on this. Let's go to Mark three. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter three, where the Lord said to me that morning he woke me up in Florida, He said, "I'm going to <clears throat> I'm going to show you." The road basically to the greatest miracles you've ever seen. And he began to take me. I put my Bible down somewhere. There it is. Let me run down there and grab it. That's the thing. If you preach off your phone, it's in your pocket, you always got it. I'm silly. Mark chapter 3. Just trying to lighten the mood here a little bit. It sure is thought provoking. Y'all are deep in thought right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, notice what he said. How can Satan cast out Satan? This is Mark 3.23. Now, what he's saying is, there's no way to get delivered from this system if the information you're using to get delivered came from this system. That's what he's basically saying. He's basically saying, Satan doesn't have the information to break his own power off your life. So there's no way you're going to get free with a mixture. Why? Because a kingdom divided cannot stand. So God began to talk to me about in that visitation three levels of it because He talks about a house divided, a kingdom divided can't stand. A house divided against itself can't stand. And if Satan, Satan now it's an individual spirit. Rise up against himself and be divided. He cannot stand. And look at this phrase in verse 26, I believe it is. But has an end. And God began to talk to me about bringing an end to Satan's works. Satan cannot stand, but he has an end. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. You're not in this forever. You're coming out of this. Don't get weary and well-doing. When that rain was pouring... And I was dealing with it. The Lord said to me something about the tent and going up the hill. One of the things he said to me was this. He said, son, I said, go to the other side. And he's talking about in the boat and that great miracle. And he said, and the storm didn't stop me from getting there. People don't need to get caught up in a timeline necessarily or even an event. But in the manifestation of the kingdom desire. Now we're not talking about the, we're, we're talking about the prosperity of the gospel, not the gospel of prosperity, not, prosperity is not the emphasis. We want the gospel to prosper. Right. Now for the gospel to prosper, we have to prosper, yeah. Amen. but we won't reach the world for Christ. Yeah. That means we're going to stay at it to get done what he said to do. Amen. And we're not focused on just a day or a magic day or right. No, we're not focused on that because there is opposition. Satan doesn't want you to get there. We know that. But what does he have that can stop you for you to stay on course? So you need to understand that the key thing is getting to the other side. Now say this out loud, the storm storm won't stop me me from my future. future. God has a future for you, and no matter what you've been through, there's no experience in life that can keep you. Unexpected, sudden, otherwise, anything you even did to yourself, the truth will make you free from even the things you did to your own self. Amen. It will restore you. It will heal you. Glory be to God. And in the process, it's the washing of the water of the Word. What does He do? Watch out washes out that mixture. Amen. He just keeps washing and washing. Oh, He's so good and so patient. And I'm so grateful. And so we're talking about kingdom, house, and individual. And the Lord said to me, a kingdom is a corporate body. So a corporate church can't, a corporate body can't exist if they get divided. Spirit of division. Any relationship. Relationships don't prosper if there's strife and division in the relationship. Individuals are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And no individual can stand against the devil unless all three parts of their self are united. So you can see there can be faith in your heart. But your head can have a lot of questions. And it's not lining up. So you can see why the power doesn't get released. Until those questions get settled. And the understanding of the will of God gets revealed to your mind. And your mind gets renewed and transformed. Or not conformed to this world but transformed. Then suddenly you'll act on it. Now your body gets involved because you're so certain it's right. Now you'll do it. So now your spirit, your soul, and your body get lined up. And I'm telling you, when you're unified, when the Word lines all three parts of you up. But the Lord made me to know in that visitation there's a fourth part. Somebody say a fourth part. part. All right. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than what? Two-edged sword dividing asunder between what? What? Soul and spirit. So that's your spirit and your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. Right? And pierces huh, to the joints and the marrow. That's your body. So now you've got spirit, you've got soul, you've got body, and the Word can get to the core of all three. Amen. But there's a fourth one that's got to get lined up for this to work. For the Word to work, it's not enough for you to go through the motions in your heart, your mind, and your body there's got to be a fourth one added. And it is the conscience, heart, motive, realm, the intent. Here he says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Once, see when the scripture says delight yourself in the Lord he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's not saying that you, know, you come to church and tithe big and live the best you can and your every little old desire is going to come to pass. That's not what that scripture means. That scripture means spend time with Him. And spend time in His Word. Begin to to fall in love with what He's in love with. Make His enemies your enemies. Make His victories your victories. Make His plan your plan. In other words, God, I want Your will for my life. I want Your plan for my life. The more time you spend with Him, here's what happens. He gives you the desires of your heart. Which means your desires will begin to change. Which means you get around Him, the influence of who He is and His Word is so strong that it begins to wash out all that mixture. It takes all the corruption, the carnality, the lust, the selfish ambition, the fear, the worry, the pride of life. It starts knocking that in the head and the next thing you know the sword of the word starts cutting the unnecessary things away hacking them off of you so the sucker plants come off the tomato vine so it can have tomatoes. You see what's happening here? And the word of God is cutting all the things in you that you just told yourself and rationalized yourself I'm just secure. I'm doing this for the right reason this is my motive but then you find yourself saying stuff that really is trying to manipulate the outcome of what you want that person to do for you. No. No, uh-uh, no. Because, see, it can, all of it sounds good. All of it sounds Bible. I learned that language in church. But the truth is, I want this to turn out good for me. Now, that's what was going on in Peter. Sounded like he was all worried about Jesus. But Peter had just gotten the keys, and now the king of the kingdom is about to die. What am I going to do with these keys? I just got what I wanted. And that looks like it's gone. You can't die. Sure sounds like he's worried about Jesus. No, he's worried about Peter. And time you're focused on self, it is a very short trip to the pity party. You need to know that sorrow is worship of a false god. Would you like for me to prove it to you? <laughs> Psalm 16. Let's go there quickly. And we'll come back through Mark 3. We'll be, we'll be close. <laughs> you notice how I gave myself an out? Look at this. I'm going to read Amplified Classic. Psalm 16, 1. Keep and protect me, O God, for in you I have found refuge, and in you do I put my trust and hide myself. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have, I have no good beside or beyond you. For as the godly who are in the land, they are excellent, the noble and the glorious in whom is all my delight. Now look at this, verse 4. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who choose another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer or take their names upon my lips. The moment, the moment, and the very minute, now see the word came alive. These, these now, now hear me. Did you know Jesus did what he did because he found himself in the book? All right, let me just make sure you understand that this is a messianic psalm. When you drop down here, look what it says in verse 9. Verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me because He's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. He said, my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, my flesh will rest in hope. You will not leave my soul in hell, neither suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, in your presence is fullness of joy, and your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is Jesus saying, I'm focused on the right hand of God, that's where I'm going, and I will not be left in hell, God's going to deliver me from this. I'm not focused on what I've got to go through, I'm focused on the through part, what I'm going to you need to understand that that's the way He endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. That's the way He endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. Of course there was grief. Of course there was anguish. Of course there was suffering. But what blew Him past it, what got Him through it, what got Him into the seat of victory was He didn't pity and dread what He was walking through. He stayed focused on what He was walking to. And here this says very clearly that drink offerings, blood offerings, sorrow gets multiplied for people that choose another God. So you need to understand that sorrow, it wasn't built in the garden. Remember, it didn't come in until after they sinned. Are you with me? In sorrow, in toil, you eat bread out of the ground. When after they sinned. So after, after that happened, that all entered in, but not before. So sorrow didn't come from God. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich, He, he didn't add the sorrow. It didn't come from Him. So any, anything that comes at you, huh? Now, am I talking about you can't shed a tear, you can't feel sad, you can't have an emotion? Are you kidding me? The Bible says that the godly don't sorrow as those that have no hope. But if you sorrow without hope, you'll find yourself plunged into a, 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 a fog that will be driven by a demon spirit that's really witchcraft that will control your every decision. And you're trying to navigate your way out of it when the truth is, even if you got to do it by faith, you recognize, no, sir. No, sir. The sorrow of the world works death and I won't leave that on my life. I resist that in Jesus' name. And I do that by faith, not particularly how I feel. Because usually when I laugh, sometimes I don't feel like laughing. When I raise my hands, sometimes I don't feel like raising my hands. When I put a spring in my step and say, Glory to God, you are good and your mercy endures forever, I don't always feel like that everything around me is good and it's all working and His mercy is enduring forever. But I know it is. I don't have to feel it. I know it is. And I refuse to plunge into pity me. Because pity me is the same thing as a long pointed hat, a wart on your nose stirring a pot. It is demon, demon inspired on every level and it will keep you plunging, plunging, plunging to the pit of despair and it didn't come from God. And you got to recognize that the mixture is designed to produce that so the anointing won't work. And it gets you tied down, right? And you, you might as well settle it right now. You might as well settle it in your heart right now. Amen. Amen. Now, let's look, look at Mark 3. Mark 3 says, we can't have that. We can't have that. Because it opens us up to wrong voices. Wrong thoughts. Moments before, Peter hears purely from heaven. In the same meeting, a few minutes later, he's thinking like a man and hearing from the devil. And thinks it's okay to grab Jesus by the lapels. Why didn't you do this? This isn't the way you're supposed to do it. Sure is quiet in here. Yes, sir. Jesus had to just break free from him. Uh uh-uh. uh. Get thee behind me, Satan. He dressed the devil, which wasn't Peter, he wasn't calling Peter the devil. He addressed the spirit that's trying to influence him. Separating Peter from that spirit. By turning around and telling the truth. Peter, now listen. You got the keys, but if they're ever going to be successful in your life, if you're ever going to become who you're supposed to be, you can't think like men. You got to start thinking like God. And so when he was challenged, well, let's just go there right now. Let's just go right now. There's, there's other things I wanted to get to, but I don't know that I'll get to them, so I want to go there right now. Go with me to the book of Luke. Holy Spirit seems to be emphasizing it, so I want to deal with it. Oh, glory be to God. Yes, sir, I'll do that. I'll do it that way. sure will. Luke chapter 22, look at what it says. <clears throat> he says in verse uh, 28, You are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom. He didn't say, I point you into a kingdom. He said, I point to you a kingdom. As my Father has appointed me, kingdom divided can't stand. Amen? That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, now look at this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And he, that is Peter, immediately said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go with you, both into prison and into death. He said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before you shall thrice deny you even know me. Now look what he's saying. This, the church is full of these people yeah. that they think they're ready way before they're ready yeah. Yeah. because they won't acknowledge the mixture in them. Yeah. Amen. Jesus saw that mixture flush up in, Mark six, in Matthew 16. He already knew. So let's read it in the Amplified here. Now I'm going to say something to you here. The whole reason I'm going here is because there is great, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit's about to do a mighty work in a matter of moments. In fact, worship team, come on back up here. We're going to worship the Lord. and I'm going to have someone close out the service of the benediction in prayer. But listen. Listen to this now. This is really huge. He says in verse uh, 31, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. Satan has asked excessively that all of you. So notice Satan wasn't just after Peter. He was after the whole bunch. He eventually got Judas. He almost got Peter and he was knocking on all those 12 looking for a way in. Are you with me? See what's going on here? But notice what he says, that he might sift all of you like grain. But look at verse 32. But I have have prayed. Say, I have prayed. prayed. Say it again. One more time. Now notice what he says in the Amplified, especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish the brethren. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. The Lord said something to me that I really thought I'd have more time to get into and I will pick it up next week if necessary. But the Lord said something to me very strongly. And uh, you know, a lot of people where the Lord's prayer, he said, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? And the King James, people have, I think, been confused by this for years, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Many people have been confused about this for years because it sure sounds like that he's praying, God, I know you're wanting to lead me into temptation. Please don't do that. <laughs> and isn't that what it sounds like? Yes. Sure, it's what it sounds like. That's not what he's praying, and that's not what is in the original either. He's literally praying. And this would be the best way to translate that. Lead us to be delivered when tempted. Meaning the tempter is going to come to everyone. But what I'm coming to you for, Lord, is because in the day of temptation, there's a way of escape. And I am choosing now, I'm choosing before I'm ever tempted, that I'm going to take that way of escape because you're going to be merciful to me and lead me to my deliverance in the middle of every temptation. Did you hear what I said? I'm telling you, there is a devil out there. And he's going to tempt you to go down these paths of mixture following false voices. Make a decision right now that God is so good that you are not going to fear missing it. Did you hear what I said? Make a decision right now that greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world, that the Holy Spirit in you makes you to know what's right and wrong and that He will keep you and you don't have to fear being misled even in the last days. You will hear some wrong things. You will meet some wrong people. You will deal with false motives. You will deal with demon powers. You will deal with with, with all types of issues and some things coming against you. Life won't always be a bed of roses. But I can tell you this, there will always be a divine path of escape from everything the enemy brings at you and you don't need to fear what's coming at you. You You're not going to go down. You're not going to be misled. And the devil's not going to ultimately have his way in your life your future's coming up glory be to God and that's what Jesus was saying to Peter Peter yeah Satan's come at you yeah you've had some mixture you will even go through something yet because you're not ready yet but I prayed for you and so you need to know why you're feeling shaky why you're being tempted why you're feeling weak while you're tempted to have a pity party, while you're feeling depressed, have one anchor in your soul. You will not fail. You're coming out of this. I'm for you. Glory be to God. Do you get it? Do you see it? So Jesus stuck with Peter till the mixture was gone. And what happened to Peter? He got delivered from self preservation. He got delivered from racism. He did. He got, And he went from a national to an international minister. And he became the foundational apostle of the Lamb he was destined to come to. And the church was built on his revelation. Glory be to God. And he made a bunch of mistakes. Many times Satan tried to shift him, mislead him, come at him. But he didn't fall for any of it and neither will you. I said he didn't fall for any of it and neither will you. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. My sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. They follow my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow.